It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. There's a new comedy room in Las Vegas, and it's at the Ahern. It's called the Ahern Live Comedy Showroom. And my guest will be performing there this Friday and Saturday, November 24th and 25th. He's a contradiction because he is both well-known in the world of comedy and unknown. He's Murray Langston, the unknown comic. For ticket information, go to ahernhotel.com, and you can follow Murray on Facebook and what used to be called Twitter, now X. And Murray, welcome to the show, and take your bag off, please, so everybody can see hey, you and those who are watching. They gave him hairdressers. They gave him his permanent wave. How do you like it? Not bad, huh? I love it. Anyway, oh, no. Anyway, yeah, thanks. I'm, I am old, you know. In fact, just last week, I got a facelift. Check it out. Okay. Oh, nice. All right. For those who are yeah, listening, he just turned the bag around. I love it. So you can see what it really looks like. Oh, now that's frightening. Scarier, isn't it? I wasn't expecting that second. I wasn't expecting that second one. Yeah, I know. But I am pretty, like I said. You are. without makeup. You are You are pretty. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of who you remind me. Welcome to the show. And I think you remind me of... Well, I get Christina Aguilera a lot. Yes, I was going to say that, or Barbara Streisand, either or a mix of yeah. the two. But okay, uh, so who were you going to say? No, uh, that's who I was. No, I'm trying to remember. It would have been um, boy. I just did a brain fart here. I'll get back to it. I'll remember. Not Gabby I Hayes. Just did not a Gabby real Hayes. Fart. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> okay. My most important question. I think everybody wants to know is: Did you ever accidentally put a you plastic bag over your head? I put a plastic, I tried it with a plastic bag, but I kept blacking out after the first joke. <laughs> I even tried a vacuum cleaner bag, but that sucked. Hey. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. <laughs> when do you remember, when was the last time you were in Las Vegas performing? Do you remember when it was? It's been a while uh, since I've been in Vegas. I actually just got off a cruise ship. Uh, it was a fun gig with uh, Paul Anka, The Temptations, uh, uh, the Letterman, the Beach Boys, a whole slew. And I, did, I was the comedy act on the ship called the Malt Shop Cruise, which I've done several times. <laughs> it's all these acts, you know, and it's, it's a blast. I got to take my daughter with me. So we had a blast. Just got back a couple of days ago. Excellent. So I'm all prepared and raring to go again in uh, at the A-Herd, which probably will be my last gig. I'm really? Thinking. Yeah, just not really interested in working anymore, to be honest with you. I, well, I rarely work anyway. The gig, the, the the I work maybe once or twice a year at best when I do work, and uh, so uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying my life so much that uh, I don't like to travel that much either. So that's that's well, one yeah. of the reasons. Unless no. I can drive, you. I love Vegas, so I'm going to have a blast in Vegas at the Ahern. I have a bunch of friends coming over. Uh, they're not real. I get them from rent to friends. Ten bucks an hour, but it will cost me a little bit. There, it's always worth it. It is, isn't it? Just for your ego. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Ahern Hotel. It's a new hotel. I actually stopped there. Uh, I was in town a couple months ago. It's very, very nice hotel. Have you been there yet? Not yet, but I plan to go to see you. So yes, I will definitely come. All right. Sounds like a plan. But you okay. will have to rent me. So there you go. 
I all right, ten bucks and yeah. that includes tips. So it's it's such a deal. Yeah, no, no, yeah. it is. Are you still amazed that I'm gonna cut you know the modern vernacular? Are you surprised that your brand still resonates with people that you say the unknown comic and everybody has a sense of who that is or what it's about? Well, if you're under uh, 70, you probably never know. Uh, it's, it's, it's still, you, know, you got to be over like 50 to really uh, remember the end of comic, I would think. So we'll see. But, you know, because I did work at a club last year, Ventura Comedy Club, and it was mostly young people. And I was worried whether my shtick, you know, because it's a different brand of comedy today than it was from my generation. But, man, it just kicked butt. So, I, yeah, I generally kick butt because it's – I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just trying to be silly and funny and have a good time. And it seems to work. So I'm, 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 I'm really happy when I do my shows. They've been really fun. Why do you feel you have to not perform anymore? Because you're naturally funny. I, I've analyzed you and I figured out you're naturally funny. So if you're naturally funny, it doesn't require effort. If it doesn't require effort, you could do this until you drop. Yeah, no, you know, it's just, you know, again, I don't look for work. If somebody comes in and offers me something, I'll consider it. So, but right now I have nothing considered. I mean, the Ahern offered me the uh, the, the gig and, and right. I, I'm taking it also because I get to bring my daughter. I have a daughter with Down syndrome and she loves, she loves to do karaoke. And apparently after the show, it's karaoke all night. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so, I'm going to get up and do a little karaoke myself. So with, I'll, I'll with, do my show. With or without the bag. Oh, without the bag, yeah. Yes. We, you know, my show is like 15 minutes with the bag and, and 45 without. You know, I do an hour. So, uh, But it's, it's actually more fun without the bag because I get to really jump around. The bag has some sort of, you know, restraints, the fact they can't see your face. But the shtick I do is is pretty well accepted. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I can get that other way. Then I get to get really crazy when I take the bag off. So yeah. you're telling me that you're a billionaire since you don't have to work anymore, which I admire. Well, yeah, no, I'm 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 not a billionaire. I'm not even a I'm barely a hundredaire, but I've just learned <laughs> how to live life uh, modestly. You know, the thing is, and I tell I've told my daughter that you get a if you uh, if you don't have a car payment or a house payment, life is so easy. And I got rid of a car payment. I never had a car payment in my life, and uh, I haven't had a house payment in forty or fifty years. So uh, once you get that out of the way, life is so easy. And, 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 and so I've been very fortunate along that line, just uh, not having to worry about uh, payments. Yes. I don't even have a credit card. Yes. Oh, that is amazing. I mean, wow. It is. Yeah. 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 So you have a debit card, but no credit oh, card. Oh, okay. So your biggest expense then is the bag. Yes. Well, <laughs> no, my biggest expense is uh, my kids. You know, they, they're still there. And, uh, you know, I have two daughters right. and, uh, and they're great. But, uh, uh, yeah, I just helped my daughter, my older daughter get into a house. So uh, so that's really cool. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm happy like 98% of the time. In fact, Excellent. I wrote a book called How to Be Happy 98% of the Time. <laughs> well, and, you, have and, a, you have two books you wrote, right? There was an, uh, I have a couple. I, oh, I have this one, my bio. Yes. Journey through the unknown. Journey through yeah, the unknown. Available on Amazon. Absolutely, it's yeah. Of, it's on Amazon, yeah. Or you could uh, go to Murray Langston on Facebook, and and you know, uh, I think I have a website somewhere. But yeah, have, that's you know, because my life, like I said, I've I've partied all night with Elvis. I've been threatened by Frank Sinatra. I've 
How many people can say they spent Christmas Eve with Lucille Ball just to hurt her kids? <laughs> I did. I got to spend Christmas Eve with Lucille Ball. Jim Carrey did his first TV show with me. You know, I mean, my life has just been a heck of a ride, and it still is, still continues to be. And it's amazing. You were you were born in in Nova Scotia in Dartmouth, right? Nova Scotia, Dartmouth. Yeah. How do you know that? Well, I'm just you know, researching, haven't you, or is I, it written on your underwear? It's right on my. It's on my. It's on my arm here. So it's yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> but you yeah, left- I was born in uh, Nova Scotia, and then uh, I, I happened to be. A, I spent a year in the Canadian Army, and then I got discharged for flat feet, and I wanted to come to Hollywood, so I crossed the border and spent four years in the American uh, Navy on an aircraft carrier. So and then I spent uh, six months uh, in the Girl Scouts. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't pleasant, but uh, no. So uh, yes, I'm a vet. I spent my five, four, or five years almost in the military in my younger years. But how did you decide to pursue a career in show business? Like a lot of comics of my generation, Steve Martin included, uh, I was very much affected by watching Jerry Lewis movies when I was nine, ten, eleven years old, and went. Wow, I don't know. Something about that just attracted me, and I, I said to myself, I got to get to Hollywood one way or the other. And uh, the way I did it was by joining the military. And uh, I was in like sixty-two to sixty-six, so that was when everybody was going to Canada, and I went and you're the opposite, the opposite way. Yeah, way. And someone <laughs> said, you know, you, you should put a bag over your head, uh, uh, and, 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 and that stuck with me for years later. But yeah, so I ended up after my military service, I went to Hollywood, and then. It just, uh, I worked a lot of, you know, odd jobs, you know, selling shoes. I sold shoes uh, at J.C. Penney's for a while, but that was during the miniskirt craze, so it was a blast. <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, I, my first job was actually getting on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, doing an impression. I, uh, and so I, that was my first job, but then from that... Well, you did a, cu- you did a couple of impressions, right? Fork, tube of toothpaste? I did a fork, I did a Grandfather clock? Right. Yeah, I did all those uh, on Laughing, <laughs> and then uh, then and then I thought I was going to be famous because Tiny Tim had made it huge, and I remember you know when I did the fork, Rona Martin did a lot of funny lines about me. You know, they said we found this one guy. I said I well, found this guy. He, he does an impression of a fork, and 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 the other guy said, well, where'd you find him? What do you mean where I find him? I was having dinner. And he was next to my plate. You know, and, uh, and it was such a impression. I was I weighed like ninety pounds at the time, and so I just came out. Basically, just you know, did this a fork, and, but I didn't get the recognition that Tiny Tim got. I would walk around the street look, looking like, a fork. but uh, anyway, years later, a couple of years later, you know, as I was struggling trying to get various odd jobs, I did a pilot with Roger Miller called Sight and Sound, which didn't sell. I did some plays, I just was, you know, like most people, just struggled, and and then uh, I ended up. Partnering, uh, uh, becoming partners with a guy, and we opened for Red Fox, uh, and he had a nightclub on La Cienega, and uh, became very good friends with Red over the years. And uh, that was an interesting period of my life because we did this really very dirty material opening for Red. Uh, well, and, Red did uh, dirty and, material and, too. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, well, so we had to. It's interesting. <laughs> like I said, I just did this cruise ship with uh, the Temptations, and Otis is the only remaining member. And I talked to him because they used to hang out there in, in those early years. And I used to be friends with Dennis, the, the lead singer. But anyway, uh, from that, at, at the Red Fox Club, uh, I was working with a, a partner with a guy also named Freeman King. We were doing sketches together. He was a, one of my, uh, you know, uh, became one of my close friends. Uh, Freeman uh, and I, we were like the only black and white comedy team at the time. 
but then along came Tom Dreesen and his partner, mm -hmm. Tim Reed. They were Tom and Tim and Tom, and we were Freeman and Murray. And we got a gig all of a sudden on uh, Midnight Special. And uh, Ray Charles introduced us, which was very, very cool. So you imagine this little kid from Canada. Next thing oh, I yeah. knew, uh, an agent saw us at Red Fox Club and had us audition for the uh, Sonny and Cher show. And uh, Sonny and Cher show. And uh, and and the, the funny thing is we, we did all this really – we didn't do anything but sort of raunchy material as we were performing the sketches. That's all we knew. And uh, it didn't really click well with the producers. But then this one producer, Chris Beard, he looked at me and he said, weren't you the fork on laughing? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, that was me. And he was one of the writers at the time. And who knows what reasons. The next thing I knew, uh, we were on the Sunny and Chair show for four and a half years. You know, so, I mean, just things just piled on very nicely for me. And then I did a series with uh, Wolfman Jack. I did a series with Bobby Vinton, a series with Lola Falana, kid series with the Hudson Brothers, another kid show with uh, uh, Rod Hull and Emu. I just did a lot of acting. You know, there was all acting jobs as a comedy actor. And I worked quite extensively during those few years. I did like almost 800 TV shows, if you can imagine. That's quite a record. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then I, uh, I, I said to myself, I'd like to own a nightclub. So I bought a nightclub restaurant called Showbiz and uh, specialized in ribs and interesting place because I was only like 31 by this time, 30, 31 years old. And uh, people like David Letterman started at my place, got his dog there. Remember his dog, Bob, mm -hmm. actually walked in the back door of my club and Letterman took him home. Uh, Deborah Winger, the actress who was one of my waitresses, Gallagher started there. So many people started there uh, 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 during the, those years. But I had it for like two years. And the money I made, which wasn't tremendous, I mean, compared to what they make today. I mean, like I was on the Sunny and Sheriff show, we made like $1,200 a week. You know, mm -hmm. that was it. So it was uh, we were making, our, my salary was like maybe $35,000 a year. So that was not big money. No. Although at that time, it was. But anyway, so what happened is... Uh, the, uh, uh, the I lost my butt in the nightclub after two years. I didn't have a penny. And that's how the gong show got. I mean, the mm -hmm. unknown comic got created, though, because uh, the gong show had already been on the air for like six months, and I'd heard about it. And I heard that if you're in the union, they had to pay you uh, right. if you're on a show, whether you won or lost. So that's what clicked with me. And I said, well, gee, I could make a couple hundred dollars there. And I said, but I didn't want any of my friends to see me because I'd done all this television work. <laughs> it was embarrassing to think, but I did need the money. So I said, I came up with the idea. I'll put a bag over my head, tell a couple of jokes. Nobody would know it's me. And I make a couple hundred dollars. And what happened is the first show, I mean, obviously still remember the first joke when they introduced me, I came out and I, I ran up to Chuck Barris and said, Hey, Chuck, are you and your wife ever make love in a shower? And he said, No. I said, Well, you should. She loves it. <laughs> and uh, the audience loved it. And uh, after the show, Chuck came running up to me and say, He said, That was great. Can you do another one? Which was interesting. It showed his smarts. So, Chuck, his thinking was, he insulted all these acts because that's what the writers gave him right. to uh, as 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 material. So he liked the fact that I gave him vulnerability by insulting him. So then I would come on every show and do some <laughs> weird stick and then insult him. So I had to be really creative and get get help with my friends. And I ended up doing like 150 gong shows, and uh, at uh, 200 dollars a show, that's over 600 dollars right there. 
I think. Uh, anyway, so uh, but it led to, next thing I knew, uh, I was offered a contract in Vegas uh, at the Sahara mm-hmm. for working the Sahara Vegas, uh, Sahara Reno, and Sahara Tahoe. But the funny thing is I had no act then, so it was really interesting. I had to put an act together because they offered me. They offered me $5,000 a week back then. Now, that was big money to me. I'd never seen that kind of money. So, but uh, because I had no act, I had to put a show together. So I struggled to put the show together. And I, I hired a band, called them the Brown Baggers. I hired two <laughs> girls open for me, called them the Baguettes. And so my whole show was all uh, pretty much around the bag. And somehow got great reviews and kicked butt with that show. But the only thing is, I was getting five thousand a week, but the show was costing me about seven thousand a week because yeah, I had to pay everybody's salary, yeah. their hotels, their food, all that <laughs> stuff. So, uh, so I was never really a good businessman, except for the fact I never paid for. A, I never uh, bought a car on time. I always paid cash for a car. Yeah, even no. if I and I bought a lot of junkies, and I and I had a mortgage, like I said. Yeah, you, you're you're living modestly, which is. Your only mistake was paying the band uh, more than you were getting. By the time you, like yeah, you said, yeah, I was no, paid everybody. No, like, no, the band was good. They, 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 uh, they, they, they were a really asset to the show. And my show was uh, was really fun back then. But as I got better, because I, I spent a lot of nights struggling because I was very new at it and having mm-hmm. to do an hour show. I really had to struggle. There were a lot of painful nights, as I recall. But I got better and better, and then I could, and then eventually I was able to drop them and. And work on my own and make some money for a change, yeah. yeah. So which is which was good. It's hard to believe I started out with nothing fifty years ago and still have most of it left. <laughs> like that. And, yeah. An inside note for people that who don't really care, but your point about go, doing the gong show and getting paid after scale, you also got paid into your insurance, so you're able to maintain your insurance through after as well. Well, yeah, but that was, I mean, the gong show was part of it. But uh, like I said, I did uh, almost 800 TV shows right. uh, uh, as right. a comedy actor. And 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 I did about 15 films, too, uh, over the course of those years. I even produced my own movies and directed and made a lot of people. Uh, I did a movie called Up Your Alley about homeless people, which I wrote and and uh, and produced uh, with me and uh, Linda Blair from The Exorcist, and mm-hmm. that uh, did well, too, uh, for a little movie that I made for hundred grand. It made the theaters and did very well. Yeah, You, you seem the opposite of a, of a typical performer that, that grew up the way you did and performed the way you did. And what I mean by that is you don't seek the limelight, and there are so many showbiz people that always seek the limelight, even when they get into their 80s, their 90s, whatever. Look at, like, for example, George Burns, who's funnier than hell. Uh, take two. George Burns, for example. Uh, no, George, you know, no, like I said, uh, but I'm not like George Burns. I'm just like, you know, a little bit uh, famous uh, amongst a very small group of people. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's funny. I never, in, in the beginning, I, I think when I was very young, I thought, oh, I'm famous and all that. But then I realized it really doesn't mean a lot. What really means a lot is just enjoying your day. And that's that's what I do. I just, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to be 80 and I still love my life. You and look amazing for someone that is going to be 80. And you're still, as you said, you're enjoying your life. Although now that you helped your daughter get a house, that means you're going to be making the payments for your daughter's house. So you're back in square one. <laughs> no, no, actually, she's doing pretty good. She's in the music business, and uh, she became Britney Spears' background singer for years, and uh, and uh, and still, she's doing very well in the music business. So, because it, 
you know, to buy a house in L.A. is very, oh, very expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like the yeah, old days. That's why I live in Tehachapi, okay? Your houses are cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Staring at my three walls. Yeah. Anyway. I think they have a winery down there, don't they? Yes, we do have one now. Yeah, and I that's that's my second home, by the way. <laughs> no, I enjoy my wine at night. Yes, it was my, my with my meals. Yeah. yeah. So, so to, what's a typical Marie Langston day? Just out of curiosity, since you're not working full time, you don't want to work full time. You you'll take gigs that people will contact you, and you're not that easy to find. But if you go to Facebook, you can you can always contact Marie Langston on Facebook or Twitter, which is now yeah. X. So what do you? What's a typical day for Marie Langston? Uh, I, I like uh, I like I like uh, putting stuff on Facebook because it keeps my brain active, and I like having an active brain. And uh, I'm I'm in really good physical uh, shape. I mean, believe it or not, at almost eighty, I haven't had a cold or anything in forty five years. I just don't mm. get sick. Everybody around me having COVID and stuff, I just don't get sick. So I'm very lucky in that respect. And my energy is through the roof. I don't know. You know, I wake up in the morning. I'm like an mm. engine all day. Well, I got three acres here, so I'm always working on my property. I have a, a you know a boat in the in the Channel Islands that I go to and, and hang out and go kayak and take my daughter kayaking. Uh, uh, so I, I keep very busy just on my properties and and taking care of my kids and and figuring out what I'm going to have for dinner and and then having a glass of wine or two or three. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, life is, like I said, it's it's dang good. I have a theory that you love your life the way it is, and it's great. And then every so often, it's really rare, but when you feel that moment that you want to be recognized, and you're out on the Channel Islands, you just take a bag and put it over your head, and immediately people know who you are. Yeah, well, that was on the cruise ship I did. Uh, people were starting to recognize me with the bag over my head, so I started putting sunglasses over the bag. And <laughs> who is that guy behind those glasses? <laughs> how, does that, how does that work on a cruise where people, you're performing at the same time you're in a small area with other people? Are you able to have well, pri privacy? How does that work? Well, no, actually, but it was cool. I mean, I never had so many people telling me jokes. And it was it, the, the shows were great, and so you're yeah, you're there, and you know, but you, well, your biggest fear is what if you bomb? Then you got to deal with the people <laughs> going, walking around like. But the shows were, in fact, it was standing room only. People, there was like three levels of standing room at the back of the room. It was like a three hundred seater, and uh, uh, and so uh, people were clamoring to get into the show. Yeah, so people. They were nice, all, you know, constantly coming up to me and telling me they enjoyed the laughs and they never laughed so hard for a, an hour because I am like a machine gun when I'm on that stage. It's bang, 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 hundreds right. of jokes. And the interesting thing is people will come up to me and they can barely remember one joke that I told, you know, whether it's the bag or by myself because I do so many of them. It's like a machine. And there's and those kinds of comedians, I think I'm I'm rare now. You know, those were the Rip Taylors, mm -hmm. the Joan Rivers, the Rodney Dangerfields, they're all gone. Right. I'm the only one lit. <laughs> well, I'm the only one. Still hanging in there. Yeah, yeah. So life, yeah, yeah. You're but, in, yeah, I'm you're pretty in. much a one liner shtick, a lot of just a lot of silly stuff. Yeah. I used to do politics, but even that I'm sort of leaving out now. I I don't do much anymore. You know, the old Reader's Digest laughter is the best medicine. I think that's the case with you is that... Unless you have diarrhea. <laughs> not so much. Yeah, no, exactly. But I think people enjoy just laughing without any 
commentary, without any politics, without any agenda. They just want to be able to laugh, get a nice belly laugh going. And as you said, they come up to you afterwards. They may not know a specific thing you're saying. They can't remember a specific joke, but they just remember they had a great time. They remember laughing. Yeah, it's it's fun to, to be on stage and just watch the people rolling over. Yeah, and because I got some major big laughs in my act. I do have a great time. It's very strong. <laughs> when you come to, I, I like to kick ass. When you come to the Ahern, I have a feeling some people are going to see you there, and then all of a sudden you're going to be getting some more offers to come back to Las Vegas. I have it. That's my theory. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, no, at Vegas, I would work. It's just like, I, like I said, I don't look for work. Uh, so if somebody contacts me and 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 the gig sounds fun, uh, I'll I'll do it. Uh, you know, uh, but like I said, right now the Ahern's the only gig right now I have, and uh, nothing following. But uh, I won't fly. I've been off. I'm offering gigs all around the country all the time. I just don't fly anymore. Yeah, no, I understand this for this cruise. Yeah, no. Unless, I mean, if somebody's going to give me a hundred grand, yeah, I'll do it. I'll right. fly, but uh, that's not going to happen. But otherwise, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't do gigs uh, uh, much anymore. Yeah. When you first started in show business, maybe continuing through the decades, were there one or two comedians that you looked up to as a way of modeling yourself after? Because your act is rather unique. I mean, other than the one-liners you talked earlier about some of the people like Rip Taylor, even Henny Youngman, for that matter who was a slower yeah, pace, but Henny Youngman too. Was there a comedian or two that you looked at and said, you know what, I like their style. I'm not going to mimic their style, but I can learn something from them. Well, you know, I just, I, you know, I was from the early comedy store days when I decided to start doing comedy. And uh, I hung, in fact, I go back to history. I was there the day the comedy store opened. I was, there's hmm. only a few of us left. The day it opened, there was a guy named Alan Bursky who was there uh, and, uh, Barry Levinson and uh, Craig T. Nelson were there. They performed that night. You know, you, Barry Levinson, the big director, and mm -hmm. Craig T. Nelson, the actor, they were there the opening night of the comedy store performing. They did a sketch routines. Uh, but uh, uh, the, yeah, I would say uh, that uh, the people I like, well, I mean, I got to hang out with Robin Williams, all those guys in the beginning. And I admired anybody I'd get on stage. And do this for 45 minutes or an hour, you know. But when I started, it's interesting because I thought about that back in the day when I first started working in the Sahara Las Vegas. I literally was, there were literally less than 100 comedians in the country that were making a living at stand-up when I was doing that. Now there's thousands and thousands. But literally from the top, Bob Hope to, to guys just starting to break up because there was no comedy clubs that paid back then except for the Playboy Club. Uh, and and a few various hotels around the country. So I was in a very select few when I started in the lounge and uh, with uh, Rip Taylor. Oh, well, Jerry Van Dyke was a good friend of mine, mm -hmm. too, back then. We were all hanging out together. I loved his act. We worked together many times in Vegas back in the day, too. See, I, worked, I ended up working with all these guys, Rip Taylor. Uh, and uh, and uh, I worked Rodney's Club, Rodney Dangerville. He owned a club in New York, so I worked there. So... Uh, I got to know all of the guys on a personal level, and uh, I admired almost everybody. There are a few, you know, jerks in the in the business, uh, but there are very few. Uh -huh. And uh, I write about them in my book, as a matter of mm -hmm. fact. But your style is your <laughs> own. Is the, your style is your own? Was my point though, right? I mean, you just. Oh well, yeah, that. definitely. Because it, right. yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, there's one-liners, but there have been other people doing one. But my style is very high energy compared mm -hmm. to anybody else. Yeah. So Rip Taylor might be considered comparable because he was pretty high energy with the confetti and everything. Right. But I don't. 
I also do areas in my comedy which uh, it, it's very wide because you know you got the unknown comic, then you got me, and I do. I don't just do one liners nonstop. There's impressions. I'll do magic. I'll do songs. It's a, it's a potpourri of all different kinds of comedy. And I'll tell some some of my favorite jokes, you know, which very few comics do today. But uh, they're killer jokes, and and I'll sprinkle it with those. So my my act is really a a mishmash of uh, of, of uh, all kinds of different kinds of material. Well, I think that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Murray Langston, the unknown comic. He's performing at the Ahern Live Comedy Showroom this Friday. Ahern, yes, Ahern Live Comedy Showroom this Friday and Saturday, November twenty fourth and twenty fifth. For ticket information. Go to ahernhotel.com, and you can follow Murray, as we mentioned, on Facebook and on X, formerly Twitter. And Murray, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you, and thank you for the massage last night. <laughs> my buttocks are still tingling, yeah. But seriously, next time, no biting. No okay, biting. fair enough. <laughs> See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Happy.